Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 46, Father's Day. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Wondering what to get the special man in your life for Father's Day? Why not the gift of sleep? In this week's episode, I review some of the implications of men's sleep health. I was fortunate enough to join the Dad's Club six and a half years ago, and am now the proud father of two wonderful girls. It has been the most terrifying experience of my life, but also the most rewarding. Sure, the chronic sleep loss from the first couple months of the newborn period weren't quite as surprising thanks to the unfortunate years of sleep loss as a resident and on-call physician. But the biggest source of my anxiety is their safety and well-being, especially since my youngest, now a year and a half old, seems to bring a clumsy death wish approach to everything that she does. But I'm also highly attuned to the strong influence that their sleep has on their quality of life, and thus mine in return. For instance, how long it takes them to fall asleep depending on the duration of the tuck-in bedtime routine. Or the time it takes them to fall asleep when a non-sleep specialist parent lets them watch TV in the evenings against someone else's objections. <laughs> or the effect on mood and patience when a nap is missed due to travel or cut short in order to get out the door in time to pick up big sister from school. Or there's the issue that since my wife and I have known each other since the 7th grade, every weird haircut, piercing, or unique piece of attire that hasn't survived the trendy tests of time has damaged my credibility. Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, despite breaking an 86-year drought, my 2004 Red Sox World Series Championship commemorative t-shirt isn't appreciated in my house. I mean, is 17 years really too long to hang on to such a gem? Anyway, my sleep advice for those under my own roof isn't always heated, including best practices for our little ones, because here I'm just dad, with all outside authority on any topic completely deflated. But needless to say, Despite keeping my ego in check, Mrs. Lennon does have impeccable judgment, especially when hearing my same recommendations out of anyone else's lips, and our children's sleep has been, for the most part, a success story. And I've loved every moment with these girls, whether screaming or well-rested. And certainly my own degree of rest impacts my fathering ability. Patience and tolerance for shenanigans is absolutely impacted by how well I slept the night before. Every extra wink of sleep makes it that much easier to stay tuned in as dad, more present, more calm in the face of the inevitable chaos, much more capable of riding the wave. 
And if I'm ever running short on Zs, my fuse is also running short. I'm more impatient, more distracted, less responsive to their wants and needs, and less fun, and also less self-aware that I'm not on top of my game. Thankfully, it doesn't happen much, and my fathering pitfalls are more the result of my ignorance and foolishness, and less the result of sleeplessness. But fathers all over the world face challenges that extend well beyond spousal takedowns of our clothing choices from the golden days of yore. I've touched on this several times before, but I think it bears repeating. Men's health is critically affected by our sleep. From life and limb, quantity and quality of life, flourishing or languishing, sleep has a tremendous impact on how we men can live. In episode 28, we discussed men's health as is often referred to when meaning sexual health. Sexual dysfunction rates are dramatically higher among men suffering a particular sleep challenge called obstructive sleep apnea, or OSA. They are also more likely to suffer worse body image when sleep apnea goes unaddressed. Self-reported sleep quality is strongly associated with problems with arousal, erectile dysfunction, and problems achieving orgasm among men over the age of 50. Experiencing circadian misalignment from working atypical shifts, either regularly or just on occasion, that is outside a widened window of 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., that kind of circadian disruption is strongly associated with erectile dysfunction. Significantly higher rates of ED among young men in their 30s and 40s who either rarely or often work between sunset and sunrise relative to young men who exclusively work during daylight hours. That is to say, not whatever ageist expectations of crumbling machismo due to old age, but young men in their prime industrious years of their 30s and 40s afflicted by impotency simply because they were awake at the wrong time of day. And a separate 2020 study found that circadian realignment was even more effective at correcting erectile dysfunction in young men than testosterone replacement. Specifically, when circadian rhythms were corrected and realigned, ED was more likely to be resolved than when testosterone replacement was used, but circadian misalignment continued uncorrected. And when circadian realignment was introduced for those on testosterone replacement with less than satisfying results, again, ED was more likely to be resolved. Every cell, every tissue, every organ in the body runs on an internal clock. And when those clocks come out of alignment, from variation in sleep schedules, work schedules, eating schedules, light exposure, etc., body cells, tissue, and organs start to malfunction. And the production of testosterone, as well as its targets, are no exception. The hormone isn't the problem. It's the broken clock that should be helping regulate the hormone that needs fixing. It should be no surprise, then, that quality and quantity of sperm are also intimately linked with sleep. Among young men, circadian misalignment due to shift work was associated with a 26% increased likelihood of suffering a low sperm count after controlling for other variables. Again, in otherwise healthy young men in the prime of their lives, simply when they were awake or asleep significantly affected their sperm count. Looking even younger into the college age group, Experiencing social jet lag was associated with a 16% higher odds of low sperm count. Social jet lag, as discussed in episode 23, is this phenomenon where one schedule is kept during the weekdays, typically forced by morning school or work start time obligations, but then on days off and weekends, the time to fall asleep and wake up time are significantly later, as if crossing over one or several time zones like traditional jet lag. So after accounting for other risk factors, these college-age men 
are significantly more likely to suffer low sperm counts, many of them still teenagers, simply because they kept a later schedule on the weekends. Then to top it all off, when shift work ended or when social jet lag was corrected, once circadian rhythms were realigned, sperm counts normalized, just like that, simply by resetting the body's clock. And it's not just circadian misalignment, this confusion and inconsistency between the biological clock and the external environment that can be problematic. A consistent circadian rhythm that is merely delayed is also problematic for men's health. This delayed circadian rhythm was discussed in episode 22. A 2020 study from fertility clinics found that men with later bedtimes, specifically between 10.30 p.m. and 11.30 p.m., were 2.75 times more likely to have poor sperm quality compared to men turning in for the night before 10.30 p.m. And for the young men going to bed after 11.30 p.m., the likelihood of reduced sperm quality was four times higher than the men with the bedtime before 10.30, just from when they go to bed. Furthermore, men who habitually achieved less than seven hours of sleep were six times more likely to have poor sperm quality versus those achieving more than seven hours a night. So what we have here feeds this consistent narrative that poor sleep, whether insufficient sleep quantity, poor sleep quality, misaligned sleep opportunity, or delayed sleep opportunity, all conspire against men's ability to become fathers in the first place. We see self-confidence and body image being damaged from poor sleep. We see erectile dysfunction at significantly higher rates from poor sleep and circadian health. We see testosterone levels lower and more resistant to exogenous replacement in the context of poor sleep and circadian health. We see sperm counts and sperm quality significantly impaired by poor sleep and circadian health. And on the flip side, we see not as some one-off fluke, but in studies involving thousands of men, that correction of these sleep and circadian problems erases the sexual dysfunction, that ED is corrected, sperm counts are corrected, and sperm quality is better. Another 2020 review found linear relationships between sleep and metrics of men's health. Specifically, the worse the quality or quantity of sleep, the worse erectile dysfunction gets. The worse the sleep, the worse the testosterone. In fact, the authors of the review intended for urology and men's health providers strongly stated that screening for sleep problems should be imperative as part of the evaluation and management of men's health. So correcting the timing of sleep definitely makes a difference. Slightly earlier bedtimes, at least before 10.30 p.m., and consistent wake and sleep time seven days a week without cheating on the weekends makes a difference. And not being subjected to the harsh second and third shifts makes a difference. But what about something whose presence or absence men don't have much control over? Sleep-disordered breathing, specifically obstructive sleep apnea. Having sleep apnea is not a choice a man has, say like what time he wakes up. Well, it turns out that opting to treat sleep apnea when it's there makes an enormous difference. The gold standard treatment is something called positive airway pressure, or PAP, most often with the airflow streaming continuously, as in continuous positive airway pressure, or CPAP. And what we see repeatedly is that when CPAP is used, men's health benefits tremendously. A study just last year found that when men were placed on CPAP, overnight bathroom trips essentially ended, and other symptoms attributed to their prostates, including problems with flow and stream quality, also significantly improved. And the prostate itself? No change at all. And this is important. The prostate is an innocent bystander in a lot of this. For many, 
but certainly not all. But for many men with symptoms of an enlarged prostate, often it's not the enlarged prostate causing any of the symptoms. Because when the real underlying trigger for these issues is corrected, when sleep apnea is treated with CPAP, all the prostate problems magically disappear, with absolutely zero change in the prostate size or function. And it's not just prostate-blamed issues that get better from treating sleep apnea. Several meta-analyses, which are assessments of the aggregated data from many different studies, these studies of studies that even out any inconsistencies and outliers, more than one meta-analysis has demonstrated that treating obstructive sleep apnea with CPAP is highly effective at resolving erectile dysfunction. Simply by breathing as effectively during sleep as during wake, erectile dysfunction goes away. The impact has been shown to be as effective or more effective than taking ED pills, with none of the side effects or contraindications that make many men ineligible to take these little blue pills. And it's hard to overstate how important this issue of obstructive sleep apnea is. A large cohort of thousands of adults aged 35 to 75 has been followed for years to get an idea of the prevalence and effects of sleep in the general population. That is, not collected from a medicalized population who are self-selected because of a problem or referred to a sleep lab because of a specific suspicion for a problem. This cohort is known as hypno-Laus, as they come from Lausanne, Switzerland, not exactly known for being terribly unhealthy. To that point, the average body mass index was normal. There were low rates of diabetes, lower rates of hypertension than in the U.S., but higher rates of smoking than seen here in the U.S. And yet, when tested using the gold standard polysomnography, not the less reliable but still good home sleep tests as discussed in episode 38, they found that wholly 83.8% of men tested positive for obstructive sleep apnea. Let me say that again. In a randomly selected population of healthier-than-average Westerners undergoing the gold standard sleep test, not pre-selecting based on suspicion or using a less-than-accurate study, that the prevalence of obstructive sleep apnea was 83.8% among all men aged 35 to 75 years old. And in the women, the prevalence was still high, just not nearly as bad as in men. 60.8% of all women tested positive for OSA. And sleep apnea is not some monolithic beast, but rather the risks of the disorder depend on the severity level, most commonly calculated by the frequency of disrupted breathing. And this study didn't use the preferred respiratory disturbance index, but rather the more conservative apnea hypopnea index, which likely leads to an underestimation of the true severity. But clearly, the risks to one's health are higher the more severe the disorder is. And moderate to severe sleep apnea was present in 49.7% of the general population of men, versus moderate to severe sleep apnea in only 23.4% of the general population of women. And it's hard to overemphasize how profound this all is. Large cohort studies going back decades demonstrate a significantly higher mortality rate among those with untreated sleep apnea. Non-fatal cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes are significantly higher among those with untreated sleep apnea, with rates that are often double or tripled compared to those without sleep apnea. The likelihood of developing nuanced at high blood pressure is more than tripled for those with untreated moderate sleep apnea. There's a high risk for diabetes and metabolic syndrome. The prevalence of sleep apnea is nearly universal in some studies of stroke victims, and multiple studies link sleep apnea to the disability after a stroke, including physical disability, cognitive disability, and emotional disability. 
But the use of CPAP has been shown to dramatically lower the risk for cardiovascular events, including heart disease and stroke. CPAP has been shown to improve recovery and lower disability after stroke. And CPAP use has been shown to significantly reduce mortality. In fact, a 2017 meta-analysis of over 3.1 million patients worldwide demonstrated that CPAP use decreased all-cause mortality by 34%, and cardiovascular mortality was 63% lower than those not on treatment. And a 2020 publication looking at data over a 23-year period found that any CPAP use was associated with a 44% reduction in all-cause mortality and a 46% reduction in cardiovascular mortality versus those not on treatment for OSA. The strong association between sleep apnea and Alzheimer's dementia has been established since the 1980s. Large cohort studies link sleep apnea with an increased annual rate of Alzheimer's dementia by 158% after accounting for other known risk factors like age, sex, income, history of stroke, heart disease, heart failure, high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, weight, tobacco use, physical activity, and even alcohol use. And some small studies have shown that treating sleep apnea modifies the course of cognitive impairment and dementia, including delaying and slowing the progression, though a lot of work is yet to be done. So to summarize, on this Father's Day, we need to be reminded how intimately linked men's health is to men's sleep. Specifically, the ability to become a father in the first place is directly associated with sleep health. We've seen that sleep and circadian timing, duration, and quality are each associated with risk for resistant low testosterone, erectile dysfunction, sperm count, and sperm quality, even in young men who should be otherwise in their prime. And we've seen that the correction of these sleep issues, including the timing of sleep by realigning circadian rhythms, is associated with a normalization of these struggles. And we've talked about the enormous problem of sleep-disordered breathing. Large population studies have demonstrated remarkable prevalence of this disorder, including a study of thousands of individuals from the general population demonstrating a prevalence of sleep apnea in 83.8% of men between the ages of 35 and 75 years old, including nearly 50% of men in that age group suffering moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea. This terrible affliction is associated with higher rates of nearly every disease imaginable, as well as a higher risk for mortality. But the treatment of sleep apnea in both men and women is highly beneficial. Many studies and studies of studies called meta-analyses have established that treating sleep apnea with CPAP resolves erectile dysfunction as effectively as the little blue pill. Effective use of CPAP has also been shown to reduce the risk of many conditions, including heart disease, stroke, and most importantly, death. So this Father's Day, give the special man in your life the gift of sleep, and there's more than an 80% chance that there's something threatening his health and well-being. At sleepeducation.org, there's a find a facility function to direct you to the nearest accredited sleep center where you'll find high-quality assessment and treatment options. And to the special patriarchs in my life, my dad, Gramps, and my father-in-law, Papa, I love you. Happy Father's Day.